okay? If you have your Bibles, your Bibles, turn to Ephesians 5.22. Ephesians 5.22. We're going to read our scripture, pray, and we're going to get into the word. Ephesians 5, 22 through 33, actually. And it reads, Ephesians 5, 22 through 20, Ephesians 5, 22 through 33. It reads, wives, submit to yourself, your own husband. Submit to your own husband as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, his body, and is himself its savior. Now, as the church submits to Christ, also wives should submit to in everything to their husband. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her, that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word so that he might present the church to himself in splendor, without spot or wrinkle or any such thing, that she might be holy and without blemish. In the same way, husbands should love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself, for no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it, just as Christ does the church. Because we are members of his body, therefore a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. This mystery is profound, and I am saying that it to, refers to Christ and the church. However, let each one of you love his wife as himself, and let the wife see that she respects her husband. The word of God for the people of God. Let's pray. Lord, be with me, Lord, as I preach your word. Help me to decrease, Lord, so that you may increase, Lord. Clear my heart, clear my mind. Help me to focus on your word, Lord. Clear every heart and every mind to help them to focus on your word, Lord. Use me, use me, and use me even more, Lord. Allow me to be a mouthpiece for your word. In your name, Lord, we pray and we thank you. Amen. Amen. So we've been doing a sermon series called That Thing. Okay? And that thing, is it, it, we, we took it from uh, the song uh, from Lauren Hill called That Thing from her album called The Miseducation of Lauren Hill. And if, we, and, and if you, you were here uh, with, with the other couple of few sermons, we were saying that that thing represents that a relationship, or, or it represents sex, or an unhealthy relationships, a relationship. And so Lauren is speaking about between men and women, how it is how men and women within, within an unhealthy relationship, they are only about that thing. And so we spoke about the, the, the first, the first uh, sermon uh, that was part of the series was that thing is good, where how God has uh, decreed and declared what sex is supposed to be. 
And we learned that sex is supposed to be about making children, uh, it's, a, it's, it's supposed to bring pleasure, and it's all done in the confines of marriage. But then we also learned that that thing is broken, that we are not doing what God has, uh, has decreed it to be. We are sort of doing our own thing, and it makes it broken. And so now we're talking about how that thing is good news, speaking about how God is redeeming that which is broken. So that thing is good news. 50% of marriages end in divorce. The leading causes are lack of commitment, irreciable differences, infidelity, and marrying young. I'm sure there are several other reasons divorce, but those were sort of the leading ones. 72.2% of the U.S. population is fatherless. Fatherlessness is the most significant family or social problem facing America. 72% of the U.S. population do not have fathers in the home. Now, I got to give a shout out to our mothers who are, are raising their children. They're being the mother and the father. And they've been doing it for years and years. I've known mothers, on top of mothers, on top of mothers, so a single parent, who are amazing. And I don't know how they do it. I really think that maybe these women are secretly superheroes. Like Wonder Woman, I really think it's the only way. It, I don't know. I, 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 don't, I gotta ask the Lord about that, you know? But gotta give a shout out to those mothers who were doing that. 72%. One of my best friends from Baltimore is co-parenting with his ex. He never married and he, he was in a toxic relationship. But since he was a believer, he, he was, he's very repentant of and of what he did and, and understood his sinful action, the results of his sinful action, that this led him to, to, to make a greater effort to spend more time with his daughter and to, to have a healthier co-parenting with his ex and also to pay child support. You know, though he agreed with child support and he needs to do it and he dreads going to the child support agency to make his payments because he is treated with disgust and hatred. For years, he didn't know why. But later, he found out that he, he was told that the, that the child support, he told me that the child support system helps employ women who are victims of fatherlessness. So most of these women are frustrated. Some of them are abused and angry. So any man that, that walked through the, through the door of the agencies may seem like they are the enemy. And looking at the stats, I can understand why. Lots of women in this situation may become men-haters. It, it begins to create a generation of children who might never be a witness to a healthy marriage and relationships. I once spoke to a young lady who, you know, 18 years old. She didn't trust men at all. I began to probe and asked her, why don't you trust men? 
Well, she told me, well, how her father verbally and physically abused and devalued her mother instead of loving and securing her. And, he, and when her parents got a divorce, she saw her father continue to abuse the, the, the next several women who came and went. She also noticed the same with her mother as men were coming and going. She noticed, she began to notice the same pattern within her own brother. She went on and told me that she doesn't believe she needs a man for love or security, and she's not looking for a husband. She goes on and tells me that she has never, never been a witness to a real marriage. She's never seen her friends or other family members in the same thing. You know, if you listen to the lyrics of that thing, you, you, you can see how Lauren is, is speaking of problems with un, within unhealthy relationships that are just based on sexual transactions. Now, I've, and, and I've been listening to hip-hop music for a long time, and, and most artists usually have a track with it within their album that, that deals with social awareness, dilemma, or an injustice. But, but, but they are very limited when it comes to providing a solution. But if you listen to her track, if you go home and you get in the car, and you put this, go on YouTube and listen to the song at the very beginning of her song before the beat drops. This is what she says. Pull it up there. I think it's up on the screen. Is it up there? Yeah, this is what she says. The very beginning, yo men and women, don't forget about the den, the Sarah Amastaquim. Now, this is Arabic for the way of life which makes God happy. Now this is key. What kind of relationships, uh, relationships are we called that would please the Lord? What would make God happy? Well, what would make God happy is the redemptive work of Jesus, uh, of the redemptive work through his son Jesus. It is the redemptive work of Jesus that transforms our entire lives. That thing can be transformed, can be redeemed, it can be reconciled and, and, and redeem divorces. The, the, the gospel can, can redeem it and the divorce and the broken marriages, the broken relationships, the pain, the abuse, the neglect, the shame, the rage and the frustration that comes with the brokenness of that thing. Our relationships and our marriage can be a witness to others so that they can see that that thing is good news. It is the redemptive work of Jesus that changes our lives so that our marriages and relationships can be a witness to the good news of Jesus. Let's get into the text. Let's look at the text. Ephesians 5, 24, 22 through 24. We're going to get there in a minute, but let me say this. Let me say this. Let me first say this. This text or any other text on marriage is not saying that marriage brings redemption. That if, you, that if you get married, now you're really saved. Nope, that's not what Paul is saying and no other text says that. Neither is it a command that you get married. I don't want, and I don't want anybody to be fooled to think that 
being married, being married or in a relationship makes you a better Christian. Now, that's not true either. Now, it can be a sanctifying tool, but it is not the sanctifying tool. You can be a witness of Christ whether you're married or single. Now, let's, let's, let's get into the text, right? So Paul here is dealing with Hellenistic Christians or, 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 or Greeks who, who were in a, a Greek culture who were pagans, and, and they were coming out of this culture. And one of those elements of Greek culture is called household codes. Now, these codes culturally deal with how a household should relate and act towards each other, okay? For example, a, a relationship between children and parents slave and masters, or in this specific text, husbands and wives. Now, in Greek culture, in several other cultures, then and, then and now, women were second class and subservient to men, most likely lower than a dog. Specifically in Greek culture, men could divorce women for anything. I don't like the way your hair looks today, divorce. You know, did you know that during that time of Christianity, during the early church, Christianity was mainly women? It was because every other religion and, and, and culture made them feel inferior. But Christianity didn't do that at all. So most of them were women. And so Paul here flips the script by telling these Christians that your household should not be based on cultural ideology, but how Christ has changed you. For wives, excuse me, for husbands and wives to be a witness, we are commanded to submit and husbands are commanded to love. So let's first look at submission. Now look, look. Before we finish the sermon, at least give me 10 minutes to start my car. Give me at least 10 minutes to get my car started because I just want to get a head start before everybody beats me up, okay? So let's look at this text. Let's look at this text. And let me say first, Paul is making something clear in the text. This, in, in the first verse, he says, wives should submit should submit to their own husbands. What is Paul trying to say? You are not to submit to men in general. This is not a universal thing to where women would automatically submit to men. That's not what it is. If your boss happens to be a man, yes, you submit to the position, not to the man. I don't want anybody calling me up tomorrow saying, Joel, I, I did what you said. I didn't submit to my to my boss, and now I'm fired. Uh-uh, that's not what I'm saying. That's not what I'm saying, okay? This design, let me, let me say this. This design is not a man-made design. It is a godly, eternal design. And I know it's hard to hear it because the roles of, of, of men and women are broken and misused and still are. So it's hard to hear it, but God's design is not the same. 
It's night and day. His design of submission is not about devaluing, abusing, or trampling on those who are, are subordinate. God did not do that to his son. Think about that. Jesus submitted to the Father. He did not devalue his son. So again, Paul here is using this concept of submission. He, he is t- talking about an eternal biblical design of submission. And again, let me reiterate, this submission is not a role, on, uh, is not on a role that a woman should only cook, clean, serve, and fetch my slippers when I get home. If I tell my wife, Latifia, to go fetch my slippers, she will be on America's Most Wanted. And she will not get caught because they will not find any evidence of my body. If you notice, Paul did not tell wives to love their husbands, but to submit to the husband. Because it is more about reverence and respect. That in itself is loving your husband. It's weird, but this is how God has built and designed men. This is how we are loved. And it doesn't matter how manly your husband is. A wife can shut him down simply by telling him he is nothing. He will run to his room like a little boy and cry on his pillow. If you look at verse 22 and 23, it says, Submit as to the Lord. See, this submission is a reflection of the Lord. And Paul goes on and says that Christ is the head of the church, his body, and it save, himself is its savior. If Christ is the head and we submit to him, that means, now think about this, that means Christ will not do anything as our head to hurt us, to undermine us, to hurt his church. This means wives should should submit to a husband that will not do anything to cause her to sin. His leadership is not to create more sin as the head. So if your husband is telling you to do something outside of Christ, you have the right to say no. This is the wrong use of biblical submission. That's important to know. Because remember, wives and those who desire to be married, the submission to your husband must be a witness to what it looks like to submit to Christ. But because of Christ's subordination to the Father, he will not do anything that will hurt the church he loves. And this is why in verse 24 it says, submit everything and everything to your husband because he's willing to carry and support and help. Let's go on. Let's talk about love. Let's look at five, Ephesians 5, 25 through 33. Let's talk about love. Fellas, let's talk about love. Husbands, let's talk about love. Now, the Bible speaks of three different type of loves, okay? You got arrows, Physical, sexual attraction to your wife or to your husband. That's arrows. See, see, guys, we love the arrows now. We love that. And then there's another one called phileo, which is 
brotherly or, or friendship, like when, like when Jesus was telling his disciples that, that he loves them and to love each other, he's telling them phileo, that, that love towards a friend, your boy, your girlfriend, your, 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 the, the one you're going to hang out with, that kind of love. And the last love is agape. This love is unconditional. It is an action love. Husbands, fellas, take a wild guess what kind of love Paul is using here. I'm going to tell you, it's not the ones we want. That's right. It is the agape love. And let's be real. The <laughs> we love the transactional love. The, the eros love is easy for us because it's affirming, right? It, 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 it gives us reverence. It's easier, but agape love is harder. It's a demonstrational, it's demonstrational. Sorry, fellas, but Paul here is saying you have to agape your wives. You have to demonstrate your love as Christ has demonstrated his love and gave himself up to the church. Pull up Romans 5.8. This is what Romans 5.8 says. It says, but God shows his love for us. God shows his agape love for us that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Husbands, you know what that means? We have to agape love our wives even when they get on our nerves, even when they don't want to hear anything, even when you get rejected. Jesus didn't die and say, Oh, I died for you now. Now you got to now you now you owe me. Now you got to scratch my back. I scratch yours. You got to scratch mine now. Nope, you owe me. You need to do this right now. That's Jesus didn't say do that, did he? He said, "While they were still sinners, I'm going to love anyway." We have to be a witness, fellas to that love. And Paul goes on in verse 27, and he talks about how this love, this agape love, will sanctify the church and sanctify her and cleanse her and make her holy. And Paul here is not saying that a husband can actually do what Christ can do, but, but what Paul is saying is that, but it is a witness to the response of that agape love that draws Christ's church closer to him. And so through that sanctification and holiness, Christ and his church are being reconciled and being made one. So Paul keeps using this word might, demonstrating the agape love might yield the fruit, might not yield the fruit you are looking for, husbands, but you still need to show the agape love towards your wife because that kind of intimacy might yield fruit and in hopes that you will draw together and become one flesh like Christ and his church becomes one. Everybody kind of quiet, I know. Now, now look at this. In verse 32, Paul here is saying that that God is using marriage as a greater work. It's a tool for a greater work. The mystery is that marriage acts as a witness to reflect the good news. 
of what God has, is doing and has been doing in his church. And Paul is saying your marriage isn't about you. Marriage isn't about you, but it is about the redemptive work of Christ. It's about that. Let's look at some application. What about some application here? What they got to do with you and me? I wasn't born when Paul was born and all that. What they got to do with you and me? First application. Do not look to the culture for a healthy marriage or relationship. Do not look to the culture for a healthy marriage or relationships. The culture or worldly standard is not about God. They are against God. So listening to the, to the culture for a healthy marriage or a healthy relationship will hinder and hurt it. You have to understand that the culture doesn't have a basis or an object to look to to what true love or submission looks like. Thus, they can't be a witness. They can't be a witness to Christ, but they can be a witness to sin. The cultural view of marriage are mainly based on self. What makes me feel good? How can it benefit me? Marriage is, marriage is what today seems in the world seems to be more like a, a trial or, or a game. You know how you, you, you want to sign up for a streaming service and they say, we'll give you a 14-day trial. If you like it, you can hang on to it. You know how that happens, and you'd be like, on that 13th day, let me cut off, do it again with a new email, 14-day trial again. You ever done that? Maybe I'm the only one that done that. Okay. I've, I've done it a couple of times. I mean, it was a good, you know, but too lazy and too inconsiderate not to pay, you know. But, but marriage is the same way. It's like a trial period or a game. It's, it's not based on commitment. For example, some of us might say, let's act married. So, so we live together, sleep together, do finances together, even start a family together, and all before we really get committed. Let's do all these things, and then let's do all these married things, and then act like act married, and then say at the end, yeah, maybe we should get married. This is going to work out. There is no true submission. There is no true love. I mean, think about it. What if Jesus first tested, tested you out? before he went into a covenant with you, before he made a promise with you, before he died for you, he was like, let me see how they act first before I go down there and die for them. I might, you know, give them a little trial just to see. I don't know. If Jesus did it to us, we would fail. There would be no commitment. The world, the culture and worldly standard is a witness to broken marriages, toxic relationships, abuse, unwanted pregnancies, promiscuity, divorce, social, family peer pressure. And what I mean by that is there's a lot of pressure for guys and girls to actually date. The family wants to know, what's the matter with you? How come you don't have a girlfriend? How come you don't have a boyfriend? Is, are you, are, is there something wrong? What? You're still a virgin? What's going on with you? What? How come you're not married? Is there something wrong with you? The social and family pressures. But that can change. If you are dealing with that or in that, I'm telling you that that can change because we can go from being a witness to sin to a witness of Christ. The next thing, next application. Ladies, don't be afraid to submit. 
Ladies, don't be afraid to submit. So submission, ladies, is a part of God's design. Your girlfriends, your family, the world is going to tell you, you need to submit to him. You need to submit to your husband. Some will even tell you that your submission makes you look weak. Submission doesn't mean, again, that you're the maid, you're the cook, just the mom, the woman behind the scenes. Those things, those things are called roles, and men can play those roles too. You submit to the position, not the roles. That means a woman can bring in more money, cut the grass, even be a CEO while her husband might make less money, cook, does the dishes, and fellas, she will still submit to you, not because of the role, but because of the position. Submission is not about devaluing, degrading, or trampling, because it doesn't reflect being Christ being the head of his church. Wives-to-be, if you want to get married, if you do not want to submit for those who want to get married, if you do not want to submit, do not marry. Because that's God's mandate. Wives and wives-to-be, let's be real. Men can be terrible at leading, loving, and serving. I know I can. We always seem like we, we want that Eros loves for doing nothing, for being a terrible leader, a terrible server, but we think we deserve something. You might want him to love you more, to serve more, to lead more, and to be honest, we can stink at it. But if you are not doing what God has designed for you to do, your prayers might be in vain. Through listening to Christ, your submission, in spite of, is a witness of Christ that might bring him, that might bring your husband to see he needs to love more, to lead more, and to listen more. Your husband might be struggling to lead, and he is getting on your nerves, and at that point, with all the frustration, look at him in the face and say, you my man, and you got this. Be a witness. Fellas, here's the next point. Fellas, don't be afraid to love. Your boys, your family, and the culture will tell you that if she ain't responding to your love, maybe you should find a new love. Maybe you should move on. Some of, some of your friends and some people might tell you, you are whipped. You are whipped. Whoops, they'll do that. Whoops. Some might ask you, do you wear the pants or the Daisy Dukes in your family? Some people might say, you are weak, man. If those shorts get any higher, that Eros loves guys. Fellas, husbands, me, that Eros love is not manly or sexy to your wife. But that agape love is extremely manly. It's extremely sexy and very godly. And when you love her without anything in return, you keep loving her. After that, you keep on loving her. That is hard, but it's godly. Stop looking for something in return. When she returns that love, it will be genuine, not forced. Tell your wife, 
after you've been doing years and months and days of agape love, look at her and say, I love you and cherish you. When she is having a hard day, look in her eyes and say, man, you are fine. Let her know that. Fellas, maybe we can do the dishes, fix dinner, sit down and watch and enjoy the Twilight movie. Man, that's hard. I can't do that. And watch Twilight in the notebook and, 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 and what's the movie show on Netflix? Magnolias? What's still Magnolias? What, I forgot what it is. Latifia, you know. Watch it without anything in return. You might be dying inside. And I know the movie is lame. But it is godly. Let's be real. Sometimes our wives can get on our nerves. We know that. And you too will pray to the Lord, change my wife. But if you are not doing what God has designed for you to do, if, if you are not loving unconditionally, your prayer might be in vain as well. Husbands to be, if you're, not, if you're just looking for that Eros love, if you're always looking for something in return, don't get married. Because it's God's design that you love her unconditionally. If you want your ego puffed up and you want to tell your boys what you did, don't get married. But that's not what God has designed for us. Fellas, husbands, your agape love can be a witness that reflects Christ that just might allow your wife to respond. And lastly, Jesus submitted and loved. He submitted and loved. He submitted to the Father, whatever the Father wanted. The Bible said he emptied himself. He submitted all of it, and he loved up into the place of death, guys. They slurred insults. Jesus could have jumped off the cross. No, Jesus could have did a cool backflip off the cross, call angels down, and wipe out the earth, and have, would have been justified. But he didn't do it. Even up to the point of death, they threw insults at him, and he still loved. Because of Christ's perfect submission to the Father, Father's will, and his perfect agape love for his church, Christ was willing to die for our sins, and he rose from the grave so that now we can be free from sin. Some of us today are a witness to that great salvation. We are a witness to that. We are willing to give up all of that to let people know what Christ has done. It is the change in being a witness of the redemptive work of Jesus in our lives that gives us the desire and the ability to submit, the desire to love unconditionally, because we are a witness to the greatest submission and love of all Jesus. And through our submission and love, we can make God happy by being a witness through our marriage so others can know that that thing is good news. Let's pray. Lord, help us, Lord, to submit into love. Help us, Lord, to seek out what will please you, Lord, even to the point of things, even, even up to the place to where we don't want to, Lord. Help our marriages, 
Lord, that are broken or hurt. Enter in, Lord. Enter in. Change us. Lord, and those that are looking for marriages and looking for reconciliation, Lord, allow them to be a witness too. To be a witness to your word and to what you're doing, Lord. Bless us today. In your name, Lord, we pray. Amen.